Shivani, we bout to party, we bout to party, unrestricted, got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down, got that big space pump and make them bounce now, flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. Welcome everyone to another edition of All Elite Wrestling Unrestricted, AEW Unrestricted, Tony Shivani and Aubrey Edwards with you, hey Aubrey. Hi, hello. How you doing? I'm uh, great. It's uh, starting to get kind of cold over here. So really, really, yeah, not as cold as Chicago. So <laughs> no, no, not as cold as Chicago. I'm sure, and not as cold as Atlanta, and I'm sure not as cold as Hollywood, California, as well. I think that might be a lie. And speaking of that, we're speaking uh, today with Hollywood hunk Ryan Nemeth. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me. It's uh, not cold here. I can confirm. I hate you. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> hey, so uh, first of all, congratulations on your short film, Heal. It got an official selection. Explain what that is and uh, what the award is and where you go from here. Heal was a huge project, short film based in the world of wrestling, uh, fiction, huge undertaking. And our highest honor so far was being an official selection in the Holly Shorts Film Festival, which is an Oscar qualifying film festival. Damn. The way the Academy Awards works, at least for short films, uh, and the little window I have into how this whole thing works is that there are certain festivals that are prestigious enough to have, you know, if you place highly at those festivals, you're in the running to get picked to be nominated in the Academy Awards. So pretty huge honor i thought and i was very uh you know we submitted to a few festivals like that and it's sort of like even if you have ins and connections at festivals which i have a few like you my hometown festival i used to be an intern and i have other other projects that made it in there it didn't get into the, to that one this year which was like just a major heartbreaking bummer but there's so many ups and downs of this and there's so many festivals you can't really spend too much time getting upset about something because something like that, like that happens unexpectedly and right here in hollywood that festival said, hey, we love this movie. We're going to screen it here at the most famous movie theater in the world. So I thought, okay, cool. Can't be sad about Cleveland. Happy about Hollywood. Great. (laughs) So yeah, pretty exciting. I love it because you say like, oh, we didn't get this one film. But like following your Twitter through this whole process, it just seems like you won every single award. (laughs) You know, that's the beauty of social media. But like behind the scenes, I'm like not getting into so many other ones. But then like after all these amazing accolades and awards, we won, won so many awards at so many festivals. I'll still, like, once in a while, like, last week, get a notice, hey, uh, Denver, whatever, whatever festival, sorry. And I'm like, well, I don't care. Who cares? I haven't even heard of this festival. Who submitted to this? Oh, me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. You mentioned the film is fiction, but it actually tackles a very serious issue in wrestling. Yes. Sexual assault, harassment, which is unfortunately something that still happens in our industry. And I want to take a moment to talk about when you sort of realized that you could give a voice to this movement. I'll just spill my guts here for the first time, really. Do it. It's unrestricted. I guess I've done like <laughs> different versions of telling this story, but when I started to find out like some real shady stuff about things I was very connected to, I basically just stopped all wrestling at all. I just said, I can't, I don't want to be a part of this anymore, really. And maybe that's offensive to hear for fans or for peers but i don't know i just thought almost every promotion i i could work for has some like way of turning a blind eye to this 
or just being like, well, this certain person, oh, he's kind of cute or a draw, whatever draw means on little indie shows. But I thought, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I literally cannot have my name connected to this. I can't condone this. I can't have someone when this inevitably all comes out, go, oh, well, Ryan was always supporting this. Look, Ryan was like wrestling with this person and so on. So I just kind of like dipped out and took a little while for me to think about what to do. There, there's no such way of me going, attention, everyone. I'm Ryan. I'm not any of these women, but here's what they told me. You can't, you can't do that. So for everyone on Twitter who every day sends me like death threats about that. Oh, that's unfortunate. You no, know, it's insane. Like if I do something like that, let's time travel backwards. If I decide to do that, suddenly those women feel betrayed that they've been manipulated and used as a, a device or something. And then could also say, well, I never said that he's lying. I look like a big asshole, part of my language, unrestricted. Also, it's not very helpful. and It puts me in legal trouble. So I thought it's really not my business, but there is something I could do about it. And creating a piece of art that could maybe start a conversation or expose, you know, a fictional version of what, what's really going on here it might be helpful, might be useful, might be nice. So we put this thing together and did it. And also the nature of the story wasn't really a man's story. So I wanted it to be told through a feminine lens. So Maggie Levin was very happy to take that on and direct this. And I think she did just the best job making a dark guttural, like kind of brutal movie, but through her lens. So it's not just a man saying, oh, bad things happen to women. I'll handle it. I didn't want that. So I'm really happy with the way this came together. And I will say to AEW's credit and Tony Khan's credit, man, he has been so supportive about this movie all and just said, you know, post festivals anytime you want, we'll retweet it. And damned if that's not been so true and so awesome and so great. Right. I rambled a lot there, but did I miss it or any? No, we want you, we want you to ramble. This is all about you, as a matter of fact. So ramble as much as you want. And, you know, you're right. Tony is very supportive of anything that you do outside of his company. That's one of the reasons it's such a great company to work for. The crowd funded the movie's budget. Talk about the process and how that all worked out. Oh, man, that was brutal. That was like <laughs> such a, I don't know how many people are listening who've done a crowdfund for something, but... I'll say this, if you're crowdfunding for something that's just a little selfish like project you want to make, it sucks. So I wouldn't recommend that. But if you're crowdfunding for something that has a message and a point and like an overall goodwill intent like this did, this is not for profit. At no point am I making money from this ever. In fact, I've lost thousands of dollars on this movie. I felt like, okay, it was, it was crowdfunded in 30 days. It sucked. It was so hard. It was basically 24-7 every day. You got to be the most annoying person you can to everybody you know and to everyone you don't know. Mm. But I had so many amazing people uh, helping boost the message. So filmmakers here, uh, wrestler friends, comedian friends, almost any like great friends or associates I've made like in my adult life were like, this is a good message. This is important. Let's help fund this. People like Damian Sandow or Aaron Stevens, sorry, just going on live streams, like in a wrestling ring, just saying, hey, we're not getting off the stream until we raised two grand in the next hour. And like, for no reason, just like selfless wanted to help this project. It's a good message and a good thing. My brother and I would do like live streams at restaurants and, and like other establishments, like people would come live and donate and grill them all in California was great helping us with that. But it was just down to the wire. It was like the night before. I thought, well, we are a few thousand away. 
I'm going to maybe fall asleep because it's four in the morning. I hope in the morning we're close, you know. And I woke up and we not only hit 100%, but hit like 103%. Just felt like 100 Christmases like all at once. (laughs) And again, it wasn't me raising money because, oh, I want to make a comic book or whatever. It was like, this is something that's going to help people. I know that, you know. That's another thing I decided when I got uh, back involved with wrestling is I, I didn't want to do it just because I want to have a job and make money. I want to like make things better or do something for other people. That's been like the last year or so being involved with AEW has been really nice because there's so many avenues to do that. I know I'm young and still new compared to so many other people, but it makes being involved in wrestling like feel better. It's not just, hey, I'm this cool guy. Like You're doing something, helping, the, helping somebody, I think, at least. So we went into the pandemic when Heel was in post-production. So we, we shot everything and Maggie had to go shoot a real movie for Hulu. I say real because it was like a studio hired her and said, come do this instead of, you know, a passion project. So your, your movie's real. It's just on a very small scale. Small scale. Yeah. Pretty big for a short film though. Okay. So the pandemic was great because we had all this extra time to work on editing. We hit some stumbling blocks along the way. Like the first cut we put together was kind of boring. <laughs> like we were watching it thinking, well, we got the whole story across, but I'm not like so into this from the mit- from the get-go. I'm not like being grabbed. We had this great suggestion uh, from Scott Derrickson, who is he's the guy who made Sinister, Doctor Strange, Exorcism of, of Emily Rose, he, great director. He, he suggested just re- reworking the beginning of it. And his idea was the movie is about this topic. Why waste time? Get rid of these two scenes, like chop off this extra shit, get right to it. Sort of like in a wrestling match, like a jump star, like sort of one of those, like, why, what are we doing this dance of like sizing each other up, like get to the, the action, you know? And we added a little voiceover and uh, I think it, it just grabs you right away. It's like 10 minutes shorter than we want. It's like so short compared to what originally the script was. Anything extra is trimmed away and it's just like, bam, we're in it. You're on a roller coaster instantly. And I think that was such a great suggestion on his part. So thanks, Scott Erickson. So we had that extra time to play with it during COVID because festivals were on hold. Everything was on hold. We got it exactly like it's so perfect. I love this movie. Is there any sort of lesson that you learned from making a short film? Yes. Okay. I guess maybe any film you, in my mind, I'm making a movie, but really you make a movie three times. Which is like, this is like a cheesy thing. You know, you hear cheesy, like I got this one a lot this past year in movie making, which was you make the movie once when you write the scripts, you make the movie the second time when you shoot it, and then a third time when you're editing it. So you you might have three different films, really. And I will say the message and the story was the same throughout all three of those stages, but I got rid of multiple side stories and stuff by the time we actually edited it and it just came down to one solid bam here it is instead of well this is happening this is happening all that didn't matter which i didn't know writing it i didn't know shooting it but we found out editing it so yeah that was the lesson is that you really make a movie three times you don't make it one time we're talking with a hollywood hunk ryan nemeth and you've got aew unrestricted thanks for being with us going to get to fan questions a little bit later but right now we thought this is a good one this is from uh, Jeff DeHaan Esquire. Do you have another passion project in mind to follow up on Eels? I have. Um, it's not so much a passion project. Great question. It's uh, the next film I want to make. It's a horror film. Oh. I'm developing with uh, Jason Perlman right now. 
I love scary movies. I love being scared. You know, I like roller coasters. I like being spooked. I like when people prank me. Like those kind, that kind of feeling. Probably why I love wrestling. Also, it's terrifying, and fun. <laughs> so I'm trying to get this uh, horror film off the ground. I wrote it also during the pandemic. When this was being edited, I started writing it and developing it with him. And we are hoping to start pitching around the springtime. So it's a scary movie. Yeah, I like scary things. Good question. Talking to Ryan Nemeth, talked a lot about movies, and we should probably talk a little bit more about wrestling coming up on AEW Unrestricted. This is AEW Unrestricted. Aubrey and Tony here with the Hollywood hunk, Ryan Nemeth. We talked a lot about his short film, Heal. It's getting all of these amazing awards, but you took some time away from wrestling, came back. You got introduced to AEW through Amanda Huber. Is that correct? Sort of. I, I showed up to surprise her and uh, the boy for his, his big birthday party. I was uh, great friends with uh, Amanda and Brody back in Tampa, NXT times. Trent and uh, Luchasaurus were <laughs> isn't a weird pairing of people. <laughs> so they were trying to tell me for a few months that like, you should come for they're doing a birthday party for uh, Brody Jr. You should come surprise Amanda and say hi. She would love that. And I said, <laughs> so I was listening to this and thinking, I just don't want to show up at a wrestling company I don't work for. Like to me, that's so that's bad etiquette. That's weird. It'll seem like, hey guys, you know, can I have a match? It's just such a weird, I know everybody does that, but I just didn't want to do that. <laughs> Got it. And they said, no, you know, like, obviously there's a lot of matches who so have gear on you, but like, don't make that the deal. Like she would like to have you there. And I was like, all right, sure. So I showed up, the Brody Jr. did not recognize me at all. I used to back in Tampa, like years ago, help, you know, Hank, he would be around sometimes at babysit. I thought he was the funniest little monster ever. He would just just run around naked. He would just tear his clothes off and start <laughs> running around, jumping off things. And that was when he was freshly hatched. So like, <laughs> you can't really be mad at him. <laughs> no, and I remember Brody just sitting in a chair, just thinking, "There he goes," and just like. <laughs> so to see him as full negative one, like embracing, like everyone just going, "Yes, be that all the time," was insane. Amanda was like, "Oh, there's Ryan. Remember him?" And he just goes. No. <laughs> I thought, oh, cool. Well, happy birthday, man. Great. <laughs> I don't know why. I was very flattered and excited, but Tony Khan decided that I would then wrestle Hangman Page on Dynamite the next day. Right. That's pretty cool to get your debut on, on Dynamite. Yeah. That match was supposed to be on Dark. Is that right? I don't know. I, I just remember walking in the arena the next morning. I was, you know, I'll tell you the truth. I was a little bummed out. I thought, like, this is a great company here. I sort of wish I was some part of it. It's kind of bummed that Negative One didn't remember me. That's just me being in a, whatever. This is not important. But Jess Palumbo walked down the hallway next to me on the phone and goes, hey, it's you and Hangman on Dynamite tonight. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty cool, huh? And I was like, yeah, the coolest thing that's ever been said to me. Cool, great. Yeah, that, Yes, that is pretty cool. But what? why? Where did this come from? But I have to say that was also a great <laughs> when my brother would text me from whatever city he was in and say, how'd it go? How's the birthday party? I'm like, well, I'm on dynamite tonight. So (laughs) yeah, it's quite a party. (laughs) I hope I'm not underdoing this. I was like, so massively blown away to even be like, Hey, you're doing that. Okay, great. Good thing. I brought my shorts. Number one lesson in wrestling. Always bring your gear because you never know what's going to expect. Always bring your gear. Yeah, absolutely. You, you are living proof. And I had, uh, 
the few weeks before, new gear made just because I, I sort of wanted to start wrestling again anyways. I, I was doing a lot of, during the pandemic, stunt work on shows and films that were doing wrestling-themed things. So I was doing a lot of in-ring work, just not, there weren't really indie shows running by me or that I wanted to be a part. I just felt weird about the whole pandemic thing still. Live matches would only be for a TV show or a music video or something. So this would be like the first, I don't know, in like seven months or so, real actual match somewhere. So I was pretty fired up and excited about it. I had new gear made that said, uh, <laughs> I was again, I was asking Trent and Luchasaurus, what would be better on my butt? The word hunk or the word something else? And <laughs> they were both like, definitely hunk would be better. And I thought, yeah, you know what? Because back in NXT times, they would just call me the hunk. Like we'd all go to the beach on an off day or something. And I remember like Trent and Sami Zayn just being like, Local hunk, Riley Pierce. There he is. <laughs> Local the, hunk. The way of teasing you, just be like, he's nothing but a hunk, man. So I just was like, you know what? This this epitomizes me. I am the hunk. Let's put it on my butt cheek. Sure. I remember after that match, later in the night, I saw Tony Khan and he said, Nemeth, you're the hunk, but what kind of a hunk are you? Like very thoughtful, squinted eyes. And I, I just looked and I said, Hollywood hunk. And he goes, Hollywood hunk. Perfect. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And he just walked off. No. That's Tony. Yeah, that's right. And it felt very, uh, it's vindicating, man. It felt like, I don't know what kind of weird journey I was on the past few years before that, but it felt like a shining light going, yes, oh, you are the Hollywood hunk. And I felt like, yeah, fuck, I am the Hollywood hunk, dude. Let's do it. The whole attitude obviously bleeds through to everything, this entire company and everybody that's part of it and every show and match that happens is all just from that little mind going, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. He's so excited. Speaking of excited, my favorite faction in AEW is the wingmen. And we cannot have this podcast without talking about the wingmen. (laughs) So we had Peter Avalon on the podcast a while back and he had said the idea was Christian's idea. Yeah. <laughs> so how does he approach you with something like that? Like, hey, guys, I have an idea. <laughs> it was the first week that he was there, I think. <laughs> I think he just saw me standing near J.D. Drake. So the story I got was that maybe it was even you. A few people came up to me that day and said, hey, Tony wants to talk to you. Go find him. And it was all like very serious. And I was like, oh, uh, I hope it's good because I can't tell. But OK, <laughs> I was like on a quest to find him all day. Finally, they were like, go to his office, knock on the door. It's fine. He needs to talk to you. And I was like, all right. So I like, first thing you knock on a door, one of those doors, that's pretty scary. You know, so I just was like, uh, all right, Broke the door open, just, you know, like, <laughs> and he's like, definitely busy on the phone with this jacket he's always wearing. He's like, yeah, I can't talk right now, but yeah, you're going to be the wingman. Uh, it's Christian's idea. You and JD Drake, you eh, will see who else, but like, uh, maybe Peter, you, you guys kind of look funny together, so we're just going to do that. Okay, cool. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And like slam let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah, that's it. Wait, what? <laughs> okay. I guess that Christian like saw us standing together and thought that we were like a funny odd couple. Maybe we tagged once and me and Peter tagged and there's like, kind of a loose group and maybe it says there, like it was very unclear what was happening. And then Christian just thought like, well, they're kind of funny and an odd couple and maybe they would compliment each other. And, be, and then I talked to him and I was like, what's the deal? And he said, Thought it'd be funny, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, the wingman. Like, you guys help each other pick up chicks, but, like, maybe it doesn't work. Right. That's the whole idea. But all the, that's all you need because it's been it's so fun. Yeah. And I thank him every time I see him. Like, hey, dude, thanks. Every single match I've had since then has been because you just thought something might be funny at some point. So, yeah, thank you. Talk about uh, JD's wardrobe, the mesh shirt. <laughs> uh, that was another. He said, you guys should, uh, like, 
you should start like trying to dress him. <laughs> he should be the, the oddball you try to make pretty. So I went on it online and started ordering all these like wild, sexy shirts. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the the things that we did, the pre tapes and the stuff he wears, and like his reactions are all real. Because I would in the locker room be like, "All right, I got you this," and he's like, "Hell no!" <laughs> I'm like, "I got you this." That looks like a fishnet. I'm not wearing that. Like, and whatever, like country sounding, adorable phrases he uses were so funny that I was like, we got to film this, man. This is you're, everything you're saying is so funny. Your visceral reactions to how gross you think these hot, sexy shirts are is like really popping everybody. And then he fully embraced it and started texting us, like, all right, I got these suspenders. I got this hat. What about the, and like, he just got really into it. So I love that. Oh, God. I remember the first time he wore like the black <laughs> mesh one with the little gold inlay. That's the best. And I was one. like, oh, that's a nice shirt. And he goes, Nemeth picked it out. <laughs> he just like says it right away, like making sure that everyone knows this is not my idea. This is someone else's idea. But it's so perfect. Yeah. Because you, I mean, you all kind of seem like, you shouldn't work together, but you do. Yeah. Weirdly, that's what I would expect JD to wear to a club when he's picking up chicks. I, I don't know. <laughs> sure, it works. Like I don't know why it works, but it does. A month or two into it, Frankie Kazarian would come by us and laugh and just say, you know, you're the wingman. Every time I see you guys, there's not a woman to be found anywhere. <laughs> and isn't the point of a wingman to be like constantly helping each other date girls? I've never, literally ever seen you talk to a woman, any of you. And I think it's such a great observation. Yeah, that's kind of the whole idea, isn't it? Yeah. You guys are there to talk to women, yeah. but you never talk to them. I thought it'd be funny if there was a scene like in a movie or somewhere, maybe a girl you know, approaches me and says, oh, you know, I'm, in, I'm into you. And I say, yeah, yeah, but what about Peter? Check this guy. I'm like, we man, he up. <laughs> And she goes, okay, I like Peter now. And he's like, all right, but have you met my friend JD? You know, and it just goes to the circle where we're all wingmanning so hard that no one is the man. You know, And she just goes, I'm just going to walk away now. You guys are just great friends. See ya. Hey, it works, man. I could totally 100% see that happening. On top of trying and failing to pick up chicks, one of the things that you guys did that I love is the idea of doing makeovers or hostile makeovers for other people. Specifically, like the image I have in my head when I say that is when you're spray tanning Orange Cassidy, yeah. <laughs> just like as on the outside of the ring, like it's just absolutely ridiculous. Where did the idea for something like that come from? Well, we wanted to do, I think Peter thought of the phrase hostile makeover. And I thought that was so funny. We all loved it. And the great thing about Orange Cassidy and so many other wrestlers in AEW is that they love having fun and they know that fans love fun things. and They don't just want to see... They don't want the personalities to happen, and then the match happens, and it's just wrestling for the most part. So Young Bucks are a great example of that. Matt Hardy, like so many people, the personality comes into the ring, and that way the, the viewers watching fun, cool wrestling versus, well, they were fun during the promo, now it's headlock, hip talk, whatever. So Orange had the great idea of like, would you guys like mess my hair up or something? And I was like, dude, I have so much spray tan because I just always have so much spray tan on me. Yeah. We should tan and stuff. That was so fun for a while. I hope we get to do more of that. Basically, the idea is we want to make you pretty. If we have to fight you, we will. But we still <laughs> want to make you pretty. You know, like the, their goal is even if we hate you, we still want to be wingmanning you and like enhancing your appearance. We're talking to Ryan Nemeth and we're talking about the wingman. You've been a, a big part of being the elite as well on BTE. How did that all get started for you? I think before I even was at AEW, Luchasaurus 
he'd be telling me like, you know, here's what we're doing on this week's BT. What do you think we should do? And I love being part of the conversation of thinking of ideas. And I love that there was an ongoing show that just had different storylines and characters and sort of translated to TV, but often didn't have to started doing Hollywood trivia, which was to make myself look foolish and just brag about like the lame roles I had in TV and film and commercials. And as if they were like the best things ever, you know, that was pretty fun for a while. I got involved. I did some things neg- negative one picking at me. I always think it's fun to be the butt of a joke. I'm more into that than I am someone saying, Hey, look how cool and awesome and great I am. Right. Like that does nothing for me really on a, on a show like that. I was just like, I want to be the epitome of the butt of the joke and try to tell everyone that I won an Oscar for a crappy Venmo commercial. I was in like that and like holding a word around with me, like what a dipshit, you know? Right. So <laughs> I love doing that for a while. And then, uh, I started making some real weird stuff just to see if the Bucks would like be into it. <laughs> and every week I would send something weirder and weirder to the cream kind of pseudo horror movie stuff. And they were just like, yeah, this is great. It's something different. And every week I'd be surprised that it made it onto the show and I just think, all right, I got to keep doing weirder and weirder. So it's a nice little personal artistic challenge instead of sitting at home doing nothing all week. Like, I thought of it for a while as like, I'm making a little short film every week with no budget and a camera phone. Let's do it. Cool. I, I mean, like recently you've done the Untitled Michael Bay project where you're just in a shark suit. <laughs> you've yeah. broken up with your girlfriend on BTE. There's just a wide yeah. range of like characters and situations that you've been in. And it's been absolutely incredible. One of my favorite parts of BTE, just because I think it is so different. Thank you. There's the normal stuff on BTE. There's the behind the scenes, there's the matches, there's the bucks and their journey. But seeing kind of you and seeing more of the different parts of you and the filmmaking part of you has been super awesome. You mentioned a little bit NXT and being a part of NXT. You got a chance to learn from Dusty Rhodes and a couple other people. What was the most valuable lesson you picked up there? Well, there's so many valuable lessons, really. And I think when people say working there is like a negative thing, sometimes it is, but everything's negative in some ways. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many amazing people, I would say just visionary, amazing teachers there and peers. A great lesson from Dusty Rhodes is that you would, the thing he always would say is, well, you know, we're not making wrestling matches, we're making movies. And that's just like, I took that in my bones, you know? Right. And every Wednesday when you have promo class, I should say we had we were lucky enough to work in promo class with him. I didn't take that as wrestling promo day. I always treat it as I'm going to do something wacky, you know, and like just how we do a BT. Really, I was so obsessed with Andy Kaufman. I knew a little about him, you know, from the shows you would see. I mean, by the time I was born, he was long gone, you know, sadly. So I knew that as much as anyone else did about him. And one day, I think something I did in promo class made Doctor Tom Pritchard. Went home, got his arsenal of Andy Kaufman books and DVDs, and he like pulled me in the office one day. He goes, "Take these, get out of here." And I was like, "All right." I <laughs> just digested all of that, watched it, reread it so many times. I thought of every Wednesday in promo day as like, I need to just trick everybody, the cameraman, my fellow wrestlers, like the referee, every single person in this building. And Dusty was so great about that. He would say, How, you know, the starting thing was, how much time do you need? 30 seconds or 60 for your wrestling promo today? But I would always do this. I would go, Dream, I'm going to try something a little different today. Is that okay? And he would go, uh-huh. You know, <laughs> like, and certain people had it. Not everyone was able to do that, but he was like, this is going to be weird. Let's see. You know? <laughs> and I knew that whatever lie or, like, thing I would be pulling, if I had him as an accomplice, it would 
being believed. So I came in one day before the network ever even was a thing. And I said, guys, it's been great working here for two years, but uh, obviously my passions are elsewhere. And the WWE network has asked me to come on as a creative consultant. So I'm leaving wrestling, sadly, but I'm still, I look forward to working with you guys, you know, in other outlets and they're, you know, I'm working up there now. So I'm pretty psyched. Dream knows all about this, of course. And he just, cause he can't not be in on something. He just goes like, yep. Uh-huh. So everyone sees him nod and go, wow, Briley is uh, leaving NXT. <laughs> great for him. He's, I guess it's a promotion. Cool. And that was my promo for that day. And I came to practice the next day. And I remember Tyler Breeze being like, what are you doing here? You don't have to come. You don't have to go to practice anymore, dude. And I was like. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. We're talking Ryan Nemeth. We got fan questions on deck. We are talking with a Hollywood hunk, Ryan Nemeth, star of Stage, Screen, and BTE. Chris wants to know, is Ryan okay? I get more and more worried after each BTE segment. <laughs> Chris, I'm doing fine. <laughs> I really appreciate the concern. I guess he's probably wondering if I'm good after the, the breakup. My girlfriend's wondering that too. She is very mad about it. <laughs> she was away filming a movie for two months and I was filming a lot in her apartment and she's like, stop doing that. <laughs> stop telling people I'm dating Kevin Bacon. Like I'm going to actually get in trouble for that. So... You know, I like to push the boundaries. Thank you, Chris. I'm doing fine. Speaking of boundaries, we have a great question from Wyatt Hangman Season. Where did the idea of the cream obsession come from, and how does Michelle feel about it? Okay, that's a good question. Michelle, I'm not going to talk about because that is, I'm not going to spoil anything. We got you. The cream is a funny little inside joke between, again, Trent, Luchasaurus, and myself. I would say maybe a handful of other people, but we used to recreationally drink a version of a white Russian called the Cream Boy. And the origins of this are all back in Tampa, NXT, like Hard Knock South Gym. At a certain point, me and Luchasaurus wanted, we thought, what if we make a little horror film and like make something very ordinary and boring, scary? And we thought, what about whipped cream and shaving, like just cream? And like, that was it. So that's the seed of that. So I've just been uh, exploring that universe and expanding it. Let's go to uh, At Brother Zero. When is the debut of that big-time Hollywood cream picture he was working on a while back? <laughs> what a fantastic... I love these that the people have actually watched these segments because you know I get a lot of tweets and stuff that people say, hey, this sucks. Get this guy off BT. Worst part of BT, get rid of him. So it's very nice to know that there are a few people who are enjoying those segments. Again, it's in the same category as Michelle. You got to be patient. You know, you know, these things are coming. It just takes time. Question from Donut Shop. I absolutely love Ryan's theme and the Sleigh Bells vibe. What are some other artists or songs that you love? Oh, great question. I love music. So Sleigh Bells has been one of my favorite bands for a long time. And I was so psyched when Mikey Ruckus said, hey, I need to make you a song. What are you thinking of? And I right away was like, dude, Sleigh Bells. I love that band. Let's make, because the song I was using on the indies was Kids by Sleigh Bells. I sent him that and I said, don't copy this song. I know you won't, but something in this vein here are the aspects i like about it let's make it about the walk of fame in hollywood and stuff and i just cannot believe how perfectly he nailed that emma singing on that the vocals are so good i love that song so i love some punk bands i like some pop music i'm kind of into most things i'm not like super into like heavy metal stuff but i like a lot of different kinds of music i think weird things like david bowie are great and uh, i like old timey punk classic punk mostly the lawrence arms are maybe my favorite current punk band lady gaga i like a lot doja cat 
Sleigh bells. Yeah, I love music. At Tuesday the 10th wants to know, after a goofy movie debacle with Eddie Kingston, are you willing to name any other millennial nostalgia classics you haven't seen? On the flip side, do you have any favorite nostalgia films to recommend? Man, he just really let me have it about that. He lets everybody have it. It's a great film. Yeah. I somehow had just never seen it. I, I agree. It was a great film. I enjoyed it a lot. I also had never been to Disneyland ever until this past week. I went a couple of days. I'll admit, you know, there's some things I haven't done. But I was busy doing other things. When Eddie said that, and then all my other friends were just like, wait, you've really never seen goofy mo- a Goofy movie? I said, dude, I was like riding my bike outside. I don't know. I didn't watch it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'll admit I've missed a handful of things probably. Uh, but I'm catching up. I'm doing a lot of that. In fact, this past week, I realized I'd never seen all the way through the first two Alien movies. And so I did that the past few days. I admit when I haven't seen things, and I go back and watch them. So... You know, I'm not a fool. Nostalgic things for me, the movie Scrooged, starring Bill Murray about, you know, like Christmas time. That is super nostalgic for me. Absolutely. I'm with you. It's a toaster. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of that movie. Good job. Oh, man. Great movie. Carol Kane. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen My Blue Heaven with Steve Martin and Rick Moranis? Definitely. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Hey, the only murderers in the building, Martin Short and uh, Steve Martin. Great show right now. Ooh. Great recommendations of things I need to check out. What have you learned from the other wingmen that you've incorporated into the ring? I've learned that Peter is very delicate. We need to care for him. So I've learned you kind of surround him with strength. At the the slightest offense, this man's face will contort into rubber Jim Carrey faces. (laughs) Um, I've learned a lot about bowling from J.D. Drake. He is one of the best bowlers I've ever met. I was preparing for the charity bowling event by... I went bowling a few times and would send him clips of, you know, some games and he would give me real, very tangible tips that were helping a lot. And uh, even the night of the charity event, when he just destroyed everybody by so many pins, he told me, you should be using a ball that's a little bit heavier. And then, you know, I switched balls and I'm like, oh my God, more pins are going down. This guy just, he can look at you and watch it and just know. That's, those are the, probably the top two things. Yeah. Let's go to comic book Alex. If you got the call to be a character, on The Simpsons, would you want to play yourself or a character the show made up for you? I would like to play a character the show made up for me. And that would be just massive dream come true. I'll say this would go for the nostalgic question earlier. Anything with The Simpsons at all is massively nostalgic for me, too. Got a question from Nate Huang. What movie franchise do you want to be a part of? Oh, man. You know, to be a part of any franchise would be huge because then you cause it nostalgia in other people. And I would love to be a part of that. I don't know. Well, you could be a part of the Marvel universe. You could be part of James Bond. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hell, you could be the new James Bond since Daniel Craig stepped down. Okay. I'll be. All right. You heard it here. It's officially been decreed. The new James Bond. Yeah. Terrific idea. PSR director wants to know when are the ringside hostel makeovers coming back? Uh, as soon as possible. Really? He says people need forceful haircuts. <laughs> yeah. Some of the, the people in the roster need some haircuts, too. Oh, yeah. Not that I'm trying to be a booker here, but I can see that you guys give someone a forcible makeover and all of a sudden they like it. Hell, yeah. And now they're part of the wingmen, you see. Ooh. Start building this cult. Yes. <laughs> all right. We have a, two questions from Aubrey Edwards on Twitter. I want to know where the Pee Wee Herman dance came from. 
there was uh, an indie show in Los Angeles in like 2014 or 2015, I think. It was me and EC3 in the, in the first match. It was a barroom brawl. And <laughs> just like many things in wrestling, it was an inside joke. So Damien Sandow was in the back with us and he said, hey, since you're such good friends with Pee Wee, dude, you should do the Pee Wee dance during the match. And I said, what? That just makes no sense. He goes, yeah, yeah, it'll be great for your character. Just like do it and then go nail him in the corner. I said, I don't think that that'll get over. And he says, let's bet twenty. It was like a twenty dollar bet or something. I said, all right, fine. Then I'm gonna try my hardest to. And I took center of the ring, started doing just people are throwing beers and booing and spitting. And I thought, all right, this worked. Cool. I love Pee Wee Herman. Great friend for uh, many years. Great dude. Great guy. To me, Pee Wee's big adventure is the all time comic classic. Oh my god, so good. It is unbelievable. Keep talking about those nostalgia films, man. All right, second question I have. You had a fantastic showing on the Jericho Cruise, ranging from a 37-minute comedy set to probably my favorite match uh, versus the Dark Order. What is the thing that stands out to you from the cruise as your favorite? Sort of the way you just described it is is how I described it to my my family when I got back. They said, how was the cruise? And I said, I had the longest, most positive comedy performance in my life and had the most fun wrestling match I've ever had ever. So those two things stand out massively to me. One visual, like still image that stands out to me is the four wingmen walking to the ring with robes on. Like that is like I, who am I to say iconic? But in my own personal memory, that's an an iconic moment. Something that also stands out is (laughs) when I kept going back and forth in and out during the comedy show. One time I went back and Orange is back there going, "You've been out there for thirty-seven minutes. Are you going to be done yet?" And like, (laughs) and I was like. Just like two more times. Sorry, dude. And like that, him just being like, what is happening? Really will never leave my mind. (laughs) All right, Ryan Nemeth. Good talking to you, buddy. Thanks for having me. What a a pleasure. Thank you very much. Honored. It's great uh, hearing about your success. And hopefully we'll be seeing more of you and more of the makeovers and a lot more of the wingmen very, very soon. You can uh, follow him on Instagram at RyRyNemNem. That's R-Y-R-Y-N-E-M. N-E-M. So good. And you <laughs> that is that's cool. And you can listen and watch our podcast at AEW Unrestricted for free wherever you get your podcasts. The video is on YouTube. Just search AEW Unrestricted. And Aubrey, take it away. We've got Elevation on Mondays on YouTube. We've got Dark on YouTube every Tuesday. We've got Dynamite, 8 o'clock, 7 Central on TNT, when we're moving to TBS starting January 5th. We've got Rampage on TNT every Friday. 10 o'clock, 9 central. We are taking over the television, much like the wingmen take over your visual looks. Oh, my God. Bad segue. (laughs) Anyway, check us out there. Check us out here. Check us out all these places. I'm Aubrey Edwards, along with Tony Schiavone. Thank you for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted. Get the house now. We gonna turn it up. And then